Welcome to another episode of Coffee and Conversations, where we look at the intersection of relationships, faith, and leadership. I am one of your co-hosts, Michael Clark. And I'm Christian Harden. We're so glad you joined us. All right, thanks for joining us again for another episode of Coffee and Conversations. This is actually going to be our first part two, Christian. That's right. If you saw the thumbnail, you saw that Neil is back. Back. And so part one, if you haven't already listened to it, I want to encourage you to go ahead and hit pause on this one and go back and listen to part one Mm -hmm. with Neil Anderson. Um, It dropped on May the 4th. Be with you on May 4th. So go back and look for that one on uh, wherever you listen to this podcast and then pick up part two because today is really going to be the transition of what Neil is uh, passionate about and doing in response to the experiences he had in those most formative years, um, which, as we were just talking about, never stop. Um, and and I think they, they build on one another, um, which I'm super excited today. We're going to be talking about spiritual formation, uh, the disciplines that really drive health and growth spiritually uh, for us as believers, but then, of course, some other things that come into that picture as we are talking about emotional health, uh, and especially emotional spiritual health, which I'll just be honest, like I really push back on that. Um, when I knew I had hit my ceiling personally and had to reach out for some Christian counseling, that was the first book. Pete Scazzaro's book was the first one that he recommended and I bought, and it took me a year to get through it. Neil, you're, I know you're already thinking lower of me, but <laughs> no. it, I just realized that I'm not really ready to handle and deal with some of these things. I thought that um, issues of my uh, family of origin were just a load of garbage. I didn't want to go there. I was like, no, no, no. I'm, I am who I am. I'm, I'm a self-made person, and I'm not formed in a vacuum is what I've learned, that those things do influence and impact me whether I want to realize it or not. And so, Neil, take us back. We were journeying in conversation from the experience of uh, just hardship in family and then impacting you as a leader and why couldn't you handle this? You didn't have the capacity, you felt like, if that's the right uh, terminology for it. But you, you journeyed through that and then realized it was changing you and what you were then needing and receiving from the Lord was changing. Um, and then it, it affected what you were preaching and whether your church was ready to hear about this or not and process and journey with you or not. It also then uh, brought you here to Tennessee. So tell us a little bit about those final years. Bring us to um, how you got here um, and then what has led you into what you're doing now. Yeah, and thanks for having me back, guys. That's uh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I think that my journey again was uh, just this unique uh, kind of uh, kind of one two step where part one was was all uh, word, the Bible, <laughs> training, theology, like teaching well, like understanding the word well, the word well. And then when I hit that moment where we had that family crisis and I hit the wall as a pastor and the word and, and, and just theology and like the know-how up in my head wasn't enough to navigate the deep emotional pain and difficulty and trauma of, of that family crisis, that I, I kind of ran out of answers at that point. And that's where the word for me met, met the, the role of the Spirit. And I had preached about the Holy Spirit. I had talked about the Holy Spirit. I could uh, I could ace the test on the Holy Spirit when it came to you know what the scriptures have to say about Him. 
Uh, but I had not truly encountered the ministry of the Holy Spirit upon my life, upon my heart. And really, I, I was operating out of my own strength. I was operating out of my own mental know-how and capacity. And so to be broken, right, in about year six, year seven of being a senior pastor, to be broken to the point of realizing that I can't do this in my own strength at all. It's not my own acumen. It's not my own knowledge. It's not my own skills that are going to take me where I would like to be as a man of God. It's actually going to be just the opposite. It's going to be a lot of dependence on the Spirit. It's going to be a lot more looking like reliance on the Spirit and letting the Spirit meet me even in my lowest and weakest places. Wow. And I think even... I think as I hear you talking about experiencing and understanding the ministry of the Spirit, um, you know, this isn't a Pentecostal charismatic versus those that don't believe in the, the, the works or giftings of the Spirit. You can believe in all of that, or you cannot believe in all that and experience both de- depletion mm-hmm. and a needed replenishing and refilling, um, or you can experience life to the full and still not have, you know, the, a theology that necessarily comes alongside what we consider to be charisma. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that this is so crucial, though, um, that you kind of go into the story of then how you ended up here in Tennessee, mm-hmm. um, yeah. what that whole process and journey was like, and why you were coming. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. Well, yeah, so getting to that part. Uh, so for me, again, it was that intersection now of Word and Spirit. Uh, I had been predominantly Word up until the point of about, you know, my early, mid, almost mid-30s, early 30s. I, I had just been so Word-oriented, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit shows up in a big, big way. And as I tried to br- bring that to my church community in Southern California, they were, I mean, again, the best church in the world. I love them to death. Um, but it was a very word-oriented church, and so to bring my experience now as kind of a, a broken pastor in some sense, and trying to understand all things related to uh, emotional health, uh, recovering my spiritual formation in a way that could be okay and content with deep pain and trauma and and struggle in my life, uh, and even to find a place where I felt good leading as a pastor from that place of weakness, right? I think a lot of uh, American pastors, again, there's just this projection of strength. There's this projection that, well, I have to be strong, or else I can't lead, or I have to be in charge and and strong, or, or else I can't get on that stage and preach. And I just think that's, I just think that's, uh, I think that's wrong. In fact, I think that it, it is. It's in weakness that God's power is made strong, and there's something in the vulnerability, there's something in the authenticity, there's something in the deep dependence, and even speaking out to the people, hey, I'm not okay today, I'm broken today, I'm sad today, I'm sorrowful today, uh, and allowing even the, the, the body of Christ to rally on behalf of their leaders. You know, Paul Tripp in his book, Dangerous Calling, he says, when's the last time the pastor was ministered to by the body of Christ? So he asked those wow, questions, and, and I needed that. I needed that in my final years, in my church context. I got that in part. In many, many ways, I got that. And then in other ways, uh, I was still looking for God's ministry in my life and, and how he was going to use that forward. And so that ultimately is what led us to start asking the big questions about whether or not we were going to remain in Southern California. And... Uh, 
and ultimately, uh, we got to a place where we sensed God inviting us into a newer context. Um, again, we left with full hearts. Oh man, we love the people, and we still do. We're still in great relationship with them. Um, but we sensed God inviting us up and out. And uh, I, th- I mentioned on the last, uh, I think, episode that uh, he invited us to Knoxville, and so we can we can jump into that next if you'd like. Yeah, let's go there. Take us there, Neil. Okay, so... Uh, Knoxville, we, we came, again, with, without uh, a clear understanding of the job that we were going to take. Um, my wife and I both. Um, she, again, she's a yoga teacher, so she knew what she could be doing once she arrived in town. And, um, but we had, we had some in savings. And then we also knew Casey's folks were going to be coming out with us. They, they wanted to be near their grandkids. Wait, so who was here? What drew you here at all? So uh, it, it, was, it really was the, the Lord's call. Um, we had, ironically of all things, we actually had an atlas at my parents' home up in Northern California. <laughs> Y'all spun the globe and, and pointed. And, and Thanksgiving 2015, we opened up the atlas, and I can't, I, it, it was like opening up like God's plan. He, he, was, he was just starting to guide me through those pages as I was like looking and wondering and even dreaming, like, Lord, are you inviting us somewhere else? And Knoxville kept showing up. And as I mentioned in the last episode, there were just these multiple yeah. moments where, you know, hairstylist or person at a grocery <laughs> store, this, that, and the other, just started saying East Tennessee everywhere. And so, uh, so wow. that's what brought us here. And um, yeah, Casey's folks came with us. Uh, they, they, we knew they wanted to be by their grandkids. And yeah. so they got a place uh, up in, in the Carnes area, and we, we moved to West Knoxville. And for the next six months, I said to the Lord, Lord, just uh, let me... Uh, I, I could work with my father-in-law at the time. He had a little travel business. And I, I said, Bob, I'll, I'll help you with that. Um, but I asked of the Lord, I said, Lord, help me in these six months just to listen for your voice and wait for your invitation for what I need, both in my life personally, just to continue that, that healing and that recovering and that uh, replenishment that I know you want to give me, Lord. And then let me hear your voice for your next uh, assignment for me in ministry. Wow. And so you get here, and I'm assuming you're, are you connecting with folks that you already knew? Are you meeting folks you didn't know at all? I mean, what is this listening process like? What 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 begins to form? Mm-hmm. So we, we didn't know a soul, actually, in Knoxville. Um, so we came out, and it was so freeing, because I don't know, you, <laughs> you know, Michael, as a pastor... Running uh, out anywhere. Yeah. Yes. When, you, when you're known in a community... My wife hates it. Everywhere you go, they know you. And so coming to Knoxville was like a breath of fresh air. Everywhere we went, no one knew us, and yeah. it felt great uh, for a while. <laughs> hey, you've changed that now. A little, a little, yeah. just a little. Uh, but... Um, the listening, here's what it was. It was a couple of things. One, um, it was, it was uh, Pursuing God's Will Together, Ruth Haley Barton. Uh, her book on spiritual discernment uh, has been so instrumental in my life. And so that, early on in Knoxville, was a resource that I relied on that is filled with Scripture, filled with practices and exercises and rhythms for how to hear God's voice again and how to hear it fresh. Uh, I also relied on uh, some unique resources. I I grabbed another resource called Designing Your Life by Bill Burnett and Dave Mm -hmm. Evans. Uh, They're both at Stanford. Uh, Burnett is actually an atheist. Evans is a Christian. They got together to write this book. Uh, I won't go into all the details, but it's a fascinating book. And even Evans, the Christian author, he has this side article uh, that he put out at uh, Catalyst 
uh, one of the Christian conferences in which he wrote about a 15, 16-page article on the, the theological foundations that he put in the book. And just hmm. so much about, again, discernment, understanding, like what your next invitation is when it comes to vocation and when it comes to an assignment in, in work, and in my case, for ministry. And so I was relying on these resources. I was entering into a ton of silence and solitude with the Lord. My deck became my, my sanctuary in so many ways. Um, and I just, every time I'm on my deck, I'm, I'm with the Lord. That's my place. And then last but not least, this is the most important for me, is I just sought out, I sought out multiple pastors, and I sought out multiple spiritual leaders in the community, as many as I could find, and I literally just called, emailed, walked into their offices as best I could, and, uh, and just said, hey, I'm new, uh, you don't know me from Adam, but um, I, I've heard that you know, you're a spiritual leader in our community, and I'll be honest, I just want to listen to you. I want to hear your story. I want to uh, understand what's going, what God's up to in Knoxville, and I want to find out if uh, if there's some sort of intersection here. If there's some something that something that starts to click, and so I was seeking the wisdom of uh, spiritual men and women who were leaders in this city. Hmm. Neil, were you as you were listening? I know you're supposed to go into listening with like no agenda. <laughs> That's not good listening, right? You already have your response before they say what they're going to say. Right, right. But were you looking for something? Were you looking for, did you already feel drawn to be a part of something specific, like, or or even vaguely, that you like, I, I'm going to know, or just in that discernment process, you're like, it's going to bear witness, but I also think it's it's going to be in this journey that I'm in right now. It's going to be about this season, or what yeah. were you What were you listening for? So there's so much, um, just, just personal assessment at that time. Those six months was a lot of personal assessment. I was looking back on my past, you know, had youth ministry, missions, pastoring, uh, a variety of other experiences that I had been a part of. And I was asking big questions of the Lord, like, Lord, where were the intersections, where were those moments in my past where you just lit up in me? Where were those moments? I, I use two words, right? Energy and engagement. Like, where was I most energized with you, Lord? And where was I most engaged yeah. in the work that you were inviting me to do? And those things are actually different. Energy and engagement for me are different. And again, I'm drawing this out of even uh, Evans's uh, book, Designing Your Life. He says energy is when when we are when we're entering into, and then even as we're entering into it, we're exiting that task or that opportunity or that, you know, whatever uh, opportunity we have at work, when we're entering into it and exiting it, and, and that task, that responsibility that we have in our day fully energizes us. Like, we get just mm-hmm. energized by it. And then engagement is a little bit different. Engagement is when we're in the midst of that task or environment or situation, um, are we all in? Are we mm-hmm. completely focused and is there is there kind of that that flow where we just are connected with the Lord and with the work that He's inviting us to do? So I'll give you an example. Uh, I thought about counseling for a while, and I said, "Lord, is it counseling?" Because I remember as a pastor, man, I would be so engaged with counseling. Mm. I'd sit across the table from maybe a husband and wife, or maybe uh, I remember uh, one person in particular, uh, a, a drug addicted uh, woman. Uh, that uh, I had an opportunity to minister to, and I thought, man, Lord, rem- I remember those times where I was so engaged with you and with the person across from me or the couple across from me, 
in counseling. Is it that? But then I thought about energy as well, and I thought, wait a minute. When I would enter into that, mm -hmm. I'd have energy for it, but when I would exit that counseling opportunity, yeah. even if it was just an hour, half hour, hour long, I remember feeling the, the, the largest amount of depletion yeah. ever. Mm -hmm. And so I recognized, okay, Lord, maybe counseling, while I'm engaged in it, I'm not energized by that, so it's not that. Yeah. So I kept asking that question of multiple parts of my life as I looked back on my life and all the different experiences I had had, and as I thought about the intersection of what God might be inviting me into in the future. Mm. So that's a little bit of like the working genius that we've talked about around right, here. Right, right, uh, right. Kiko, we've been looking at uh, Patrick Lencioni's model of the working genius, um, Just and it's just related to what... Uh, how people are wired and created in their working ability. It's not a spiritual assessment or a gifting test or a personality. It's none of that. It's just a working genius model um, that the way people are wired to gain both energy and uh, engagement through their the way that they're wired for work, just work, so that everybody's in the right seat. We know who the inventor is, who's the galvanizer, who's going to be the uh, encourager, you know, all these different steps, uh, enablement, discernment, right, tenacity right, right. that are needed for work models. Uh, and it's in ministry. It's in, you know, Fortune 500 company. It's it's all over. But um, that's that's fascinating. So what, what were the, as you're listening for this period of time, what were these these next happenings, the next steps, what what was that playing out to, to look like? Yeah, so I just started, uh, and, and it was the six months that that did it, right? It was, it was the space. I want to emphasize this, right, for any of the listeners who are maybe thinking about, like, what is, what is the sweet spot? What is my, what is my vocational center, right? We always have vocational opportunities, but what's my vocational center? And so for me, six months was just this sweet, sacred time of really exploring that vocational center again. And by the way, I think that happened, I think that kind of re-examination should happen in multiple places in our lives. Like, I, I expect to do that again in a few years, you know, and to keep reevaluating. hey, am I still, Lord, am I still in that vocational sweet spot that you've called me to? So for me, uh, yeah, it was the assessments that I was taking, you know, thinking about the Myers-Briggs, the Enneagrams, yeah. the Strengths Finder. Uh, of course, I deeply value spiritual gifts. So for, my, for me, my gifts, yeah. uh, wisdom, uh, discernment, um, depending on how you... Uh, define it potentially uh, prophetic. I, I kind of define it as speaking uh, a timely word mm -hmm. of God, not necessarily a forecasting, but knowing the word for the moment mm -hmm. from God to others. Um, so I was thinking about the intersection of wisdom, discernment, the prophetic side, um, thinking about my past experiences in ministry, and then listening to the community around me in Knoxville and some of the things that I started to become drawn to as I heard uh, uh, from others in the community and as they, um, you know, met with me, and by, and by the way, I, I need to say this, I met with a, a group of four other uh, spiritual men in the city. Uh, one was a pastor, one was an elder, one was a businessman, and the other was a, uh, another, another businessman, actually. So four spiritual men who I walked through this process in a, in a very intense way with, and I even asked them, I said, hey, at the end of this process, will you help me identify what that vocational center is? And literally on the whiteboard, we got a whiteboard in front of us, on the whiteboard at the end of that process, we met for about, I'd say, six, seven weeks together. We were reading some of the resources that I mentioned together. Uh, they were helping me understand what, God was, what God's invitations were. And at the end of that process, up on the whiteboard, 
we had identified a phrase that kind of encapsulated mm. what I thought, what, I, what we sensed that God was inviting me into. And it was um, that, that, that Neil is drawn to offer support, mentoring, and coaching to pastors and Christian leaders. Support, mentoring, and coaching to pastors and Christian leaders. For me, that hit the intersection of wisdom for me, which I, mm. I just, I love being in that wisdom space. I love to speak in and help people understand uh, what God is up to in their life. That hits to that prophetic, what is God's timely word for a person, or maybe even for a ministry, for a church that's asking big questions about some of the decisions before them. I also love just the support side of it. I, I, I had been a shepherd for so many years, and I didn't want to lose track of the value and of the skills and, and of, of, the, of the, um, the, really the, the beautiful opportunities that God had given me to shepherd others. And so there's that desire to support and to mentor and then to coach. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, for me, became the intersection of what I sensed God was inviting me into next in Knoxville. You call it a a center, a ministry center. I've heard of I've heard of folks kind of going down a path and discovering kind of a personal mission statement. Mm-hmm. Would you kind of classify this as a similar? Because when you're talking about, it, we came up with a phrase, and there it was on the whiteboard, and, and it and it crossed all these lines. It, it intersected with these same other areas that you're talking about in your giftings and the way God had, had wired and created you. And um, it sounds a lot like you found a personal mission statement. And this is what you needed to come back to in whatever space you found yourself in, including in a few years from now, as you re- as you referenced. I need to reevaluate this. Am I still in that ministry center? Am I still fulfilling my personal mission statement that you feel called to? Is that is that kind of yeah. similar? Very very similar with maybe one distinction. Okay. So for me, for me, uh, I, I look at like our our purpose in life and our mission, especially as believers, I look at that as almost uh, the same for all believers in, in the sense that this, number one, the great commandment, that's, that's, that's our purpose in life. Sure. To love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. When, when I, you know, I'm coaching young people at Thrive Residency, when they're asking, what do I do with my life? My, my first response is, love the Lord and love your neighbor. Because your mission, your vocation, it won't matter if we don't start there. Yeah. So it starts with a deep and abiding relationship with God, absolutely, and, so a, and a deep love for others. So that that's where I start. And then on mission, when I think about personal mission statement, again, there's something in it that I think is actually the same for all of us, and that is I jump to the Great Commission: go out and make disciples of all the nations. Uh, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, Jesus says. He says, make disciples, make disciples, make disciples. That is the mission of every man, woman, and child of Christ. That is our mission. And then, and then, it's how we go about making disciples that, for me, I would put on that whiteboard. So, so Neil's life, uh, Neil's life uh, purpose is to love God, and love others. And Neil's mission is to make disciples. And the unique expression of that mission is that he makes disciples by supporting, by mentoring, and by coaching other pastors and Christian leaders in the community. That's how I express 
the making of disciples in my life. And and by the way, some might some might say, well, uh, isn't the making disciples isn't that a very evangelistic in nature? In part, it is. I think in part the the idea of making disciples. Of course, Jesus had the idea of going out and telling those who don't know about him. Uh, to to come to turn to him in faith and to follow him, but it also has to do with just discipleship generally, right? This is this is the idea of taking Christians from one place in their spiritual walk and transformation with Christ into the next and the next and the next place. And so I have felt uniquely called, especially in my vocational work, uh, to to walk into the lives of pastors. Of Christian leaders, of nonprofit leaders, anybody who's an equipper. At Ephesians four eleven, the apostles, the prophets, yes. the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers. If they're an equipper, I'm interested. If they're an equipper, I am all in to support, mentor, and coach them because those are the people that I believe God has said, Neil. These these are the ones I want you to draw more deeply into relationship with me. And these are the ones I want you to take from one step and stage in their spiritual and ministry walk with me, and I want you to take them to the, to the next and the next and the next stage. So I care about really deepening the spirituality and deepening the uh, approach to spiritual leadership among those who equip the church. That's so good, Neil. And I, I love, Christian, I just appreciate so much how, again, he, the framework is for all of us. Yeah. The, the loving God, loving neighbor, and then so the Great Commandment and the Great Commission, those, those don't get nuanced except in our individual expression, but those remain the foundation and the bedrock for which we are all, um, we're all, we all right. exist for. Yeah. That's so good. I love that. So tell us a little bit. So what you went from this um, discerning stage and discovering to what then and and what what role uh, you found yourself playing? Well, so we put it on the whiteboard uh, this idea of support, mentoring, and coaching Christian leaders, uh, pastors, and Christian leaders. And I had one guy, Adam, one of my good friends. He looks up on the whiteboard. He says, "Yeah, but Neil, uh, who does that? You know, <laughs> what what organization does that?" And I said to him. I don't know, but can, I'm going to find out. You can be a pastor to pastors, a consultant to like ministry. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. Turns out there are a lot of organizations that yeah. do that. Uh, there's Pastor Serve. Uh, there's uh, in Knoxville too. Not well nationally and globally. Sure. There's, a, there's a few different organizations. I landed yeah. on one called Standing Stone. Um, Standing Stone. They call it shepherding the shepherds or pastoring yes. the pastors. Um, it is a, a faith-based, support-based ministry that I, I've been a part of. I'm not really good on the support side of things. <laughs> I've learned, uh, so I'm, le- I'm less good on the fundraising side, but I love the support, mentoring, and coaching side of it. Um, and so I entered into that in 2017 a- upon arriving, after arriving in Knoxville, and I've actually remained as a shepherd to this day. Uh, I'm really hmm. serving in a more uh, uh, part-time role in that now more than ever, though in its expression throughout the city, it's it's kind of happening everywhere yeah, I go. Yeah. Um, but then that also led, in fact, the Standing Stone ministry itself led into my, my additional assignment, so uh, kind of bivocational in that sense, but the additional assignment and really the bread and butter, the, the, the main focus of my ministry week is Thrive Residency. Um, so um, Thrive Ministry Leadership Residency is the full name. You can check it out, thriveresidency.com. But it's essentially support, mentoring, and coaching, but for aspiring pastors and Christian Mm. leaders. 
And so I was sitting across the table at Sammy's Cafe with uh, Clayton Wood one day. Uh, this was back in 2017, and I was there for him. Uh, there, kind of, you know, just wanting to learn from him, but also just bless him and and yeah. encourage him. And sure enough, the conversation turned, and it, it became pretty clear quickly that he was interested in in kind of learning more if I would be a good fit for a dream that he had in ministry, which was to develop a residence ministry residency program in Knoxville. Wow, that's awesome! So you were filling him out, and he was also doing the same exactly to see if yeah, that's so great. <laughs> that's Clayton, the, yeah, the great thing about Clayton is he's got. I, I kind of, and he'll he'll be flattered with this, right? I think of people like Elon Musk who um, are solving problems that don't need to be solved. Like we really don't need to send people there. Like serious, like <laughs> we've got enough to do here. That, and I feel like I love Clayton. He will create problems and solve them. That I'm like, no one's thinking about this. Isn't actually a problem. Like, no, Johnson University does not need a skeet team. Uh, do not tell me about the history of the land because I know you've researched it. He's got all the facts. It's so good though. He's so compelling as a former attorney, uh, you know, constitutional lawyer. Yep. I love him. We love Clayton Wood. We love Thrive. If you've not checked them out before, um, Neil talked about the residency program, gave you the address to that, but also look up thrivelonsdale.com. Help us thrive. We'll take you this there as well. Help us thrive.com. They've got, they've got like every domain name, I think. Yeah. Right now. Just covered just, them all. Just keep pointing. Anything thrive, we hope it'll get you there. But I love it. We love the ministry. We love what the, what the work is doing. But this was a huge expansion. This is something that I don't know of anyone else in the city doing specifically this. And especially as you're talking about college graduates, mm-hmm. I'm, I, think I, I think I'm being called and invited into ministry as a vocation. But boy, my parents really think it's this, and I've experienced this, and, but I'm not sure. So you're, get, you're creating a space, though, mm-hmm. through this as an opportunity to... Well, let's take a year and explore. Let's find out if this really is it. But you've got so many of these components, Neil, that have been so helpful for you and for me of spiritual formation, of the spiritual disciplines, of do you have the capacity internally to uh, to sustain what you're experiencing and what you're going to be stepping into. And so tell us a little bit about how, how is this in your lane and how have you uniquely crafted it yeah. to include these components? Yeah, no, thank you. Um, I yeah I first of all I want to say I could not be the director of Thrive Residency without all of my past, uh, and I mean all of it—the good and the bad, uh, the beautiful and the ugly. Uh, I couldn't be leading other twenty-somethings uh, who think that God might be inviting them into ministry. I, I couldn't lead them without the foundation that I've had uh, in in Christian and theological education. Uh, I couldn't lead them had I not been involved in pastoring in a church and also serving in a nonprofit. Uh, I couldn't lead them if I had not gone through some deep personal crises in my own family and had almost experienced total burnout and have you know have come through that kind of uh, experience. Because really, uh, what what a twenty-something needs when they say, "I think God's inviting me to ministry." is they need someone who doesn't shellac and shine it up and say, yeah. congratulations, your life is now going to be perfect. Yeah. Instead, what they need is someone to say, hey, that's a beautiful call, but let me tell you, that call is going to come with a lot of highs and lows. Mm. That call is going to come with a lot of incredible joy and then incredible pain and sorrow. Mm. And so if you're hearing that call from God, amen, I, I can't wait to explore that with you, 
But let me tell you, let me show you from my life, and let me show you, by the way, from the lives of many others. I know, yeah. Michael, Christian, you guys should share your stories. Let me show you that, hey, this calling is a calling to really to, to a life a life of trusting God no matter what comes your way. And so when I think about this residency program, and Clayton and I, we, we spent a long time, by the way, crafting this program, trying to think it through, making sure we were on the same page. And, and I just kept bringing to the table that, hey, I want this to be more than just um, a kind of a pre-seminary program. Um, these are all college grads in our program. So they have all already graduated college, and many of them are thinking about seminary or grad school, but they're also wanting to explore that ministry calling. And what I don't want is just for them to have a classroom experience. Uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Uh, for me, college, grad, seminary, that got me about 40% maybe of what I needed to know when it came to ministry, um, both in the church and in the nonprofit world. And so instead, we crafted this Thrive Residency Program to talk about the things that you might not get in seminary or grad school. And so we dive into uh, a multiplicity of things. The first, communal living. Mm-hmm. What does it look like to be in community, real community, where you can't walk away when you know your, your roommate and you have a conflict? Uh, instead, these residents, they live together, all of them, in a house across the street from Thrive in Lonsdale, and they literally practice Christian community. They work through stuff all the time in that 10-month program. I bet they do. A lot of conflict resolution, <laughs> and even to the very end, we're always working on that, even yeah. to the very end. And so they learn about they learn about people skills. That's the rest of your life. Amen. That's marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's anything. Yeah. People skills. That's so good. Uh, conflict resolution. Just uh, being at odds, or n- not liking somebody, but but the Lord says you got to love them. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and that's the thing. That's the good thing. I always tell them, you don't have to like them. But you do have to love them. So what does it look like for you to love this person? Because the mm-hmm. Lord told you that that's your command. Your command is to love him and to love those around you, to love your neighbors. I love it. And then, so we talk about communal living. Uh, we, we do ministry employment. They get assigned a job in a church or nonprofit in our city, and they, they go to work 30 hours out of their week. They are involved in ministry. They're on the front lines serving a church, serving a nonprofit in our city, and getting so much exposure there. Um, we do have education. We do we do graduate level education. We partner with a couple seminaries uh, locally and uh, uh, with Southeastern and Carson Newman. We're always looking for new partnerships as well. By the way, uh, we are a non-denominational program, and so uh, any any Christian school out there, grad school, seminary, uh, that would like to partner with us, uh, you can please reach out. But um, we offer them up to 18 units. They take nine credits in the in the fall, nine in the spring. Uh, three classes each semester, uh, where we're going into topics like spiritual formation, uh, organizational leadership, um, discipleship and worldview. Uh, we have a class on New Testament ethics, which has really been fascinating mm-hmm. this year, um, and many others that just gives them a well-rounded approach, and, and that applies generally, by the way, to something like a master's in ministry or a master's degree in Christian leadership, something like that. And so these these credits are very easily transferable, particularly the schools that they're getting credit through, but also to any uh, okay. uh, ATS school, ATS accredited school nationwide. Um, so communal living, ministry employment, grad level education, and then there's a ton of mentoring. We pair them up with mentors. My wife and I also do a lot of mentoring as well in the program. They're exposed to dozens and dozens, I would say if not a hundred different pastors, professors, and nonprofit leaders in the city throughout their 10-month program. Um, just 
indirect and direct exposure yeah. to so many different leaders that they meet or that they're connected with in some way, shape, or form that can really pour into them. Mm. And so the hope there is that they would identify some of those men and women that they go, wait a minute, that's the kind of person yeah. that I really resonate with, and the work that they're doing, I got to learn more about. Yeah. And so there's 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 some of that vocational resonance that can happen in the program, but then there's also spiritual resonance that happens in the program. I've got, I remember particularly one of our residents this year, we had a female spiritual leader come, and I knew as that female spiritual leader was speaking, I could tell this one female resident was just lighting up. And sure enough, after that leadership luncheon that we had on a Friday, I walked over and I said, hey, Megan, did you resonate with her? And she's like, yes. She's like, I have to know like what her walk with Christ is like because I connected with her so deeply. And so there's there's mm-hmm. vocational resonance and then there's spiritual resonance where the residents can look forward and say that's the kind of man or woman of God that I want to be in 20, 30 years from now. And so they're exposed to so many people that can show them that path. That's awesome. That's awesome. Do you have have you had anyone that was married yet? go through this, or have they all been single folks? So just yesterday, I had another married... I'm about to send Christian uh, through per- this. I had another married person call me, and we spent f- about 40 minutes on the phone, and he was peppering me with lots of questions whether or not he'd be a good fit for the program. I've had multiple married uh, applicants, and lots of phone calls and inquiries about our program. Uh, we, uh, we've we yet to accept a married applicant, yeah. not... You know, for, for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked out. We have far more applicants than spots, and so it is a competitive program. Um, but I, I don't I don't put it past us to accept a married applicant yeah. in the future. Obviously, they're not going to live in the house. Yeah, that'll be uh, different. So their biggest challenge will be uh, <laughs> to live in community, even yes. though they'll be outside of the house. Correct. And so that if they're willing to accept that challenge, and they've got a little bit of financial freedom to enter into the program, because it, yeah. it, it will take a little bit of financial freedom to do that, though they, they'll get a small stipend, but they won't get... Uh, sustainable living. They won't get sustainable living for a married person, <laughs> especially a married person with kids. That's yes. not quite sustainable, but... Interesting. Well, it's fascinating, Neil. I've been so encouraged just watching it shape and form, and, and even yeah. in its genesis. Um, man, we love it. We yeah. love it. I just... I, it's serving such a niche, and I look forward... Knowing Clayton and you guys over there at Thrive, this this thing's going somewhere. It's not just going to be in Knoxville. Um, you guys, you guys have really created a beautiful model that um, God's I see smack dab in the middle of. But Thank you. so, talk to us a little bit about if you were in a room full of Christian leaders and pastors, which you feel called is a part of your center, your mission center. Um, what would you? share with them as far as practices and resources and how to take care of self and even self-awareness and evaluate where you're at and what you need and what everyone needs, but in the different seasons and moments of your life, uh, what would you share with this this audience of pastors and Christian leaders if they were right now listening? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is when I'm before a group of pastors or leaders, I maybe one of my first hopes and dreams is that they will walk away from their their time with me remembering that they're a son or a daughter of God. Um, it's easy to be in leader mode. In fact, it's <laughs> it's so easy that you just kind of lose sight of your own personhood. You lose sight of your own... Um, 
sense of humanity. You lose sight of your own weakness and frailty. When you're in leader mode, when we're in leader mode, you know, we're like, I, I, have, I have to be strong. Again, I have to be the one in charge, or I have to be the one who knows where to go. I have to be the one with all the answers. I have to be the strong one. And so when I'm before a group of pastors and leaders, my first goal is to remind them that they're a son, that they're a daughter of the king. And I will usually give them an opportunity to just consider, hey, when was the last time that you weren't that leader? Hmm. When was the last time that you had a chance to go before God in your weakness, in your humanity, in your frailty, and seek Him from that place and not from a place of great strength and power? That's so good. Um, So when I speak to pastors and leaders, I I talk a lot about um, what does it look like to um, rekindle again their own spiritual life with Christ. Um, I talk to them about their own rhythms, their own practices. Pete Scazzaro, in his book, uh, Emotionally Healthy Leader, he says, I used to assume, I used to assume that my fellow pastors and colleagues on staff had a robust and vibrant relationship with Christ. He said, I used to assume that. And then he says, he goes on to say, I no longer make that assumption anymore. Mm-hmm. He says the, the, facts are, the facts bear witness that many, many pastors and many, many Christian leaders, uh, they're doing a lot for the Lord, and yet their relationship with Christ is very dry mm-hmm. and very, uh, even to the point of non-existent. Um, and so my hope and my dream is that when I meet with leaders, that we, we talk less about mission and less about great leadership and less about you know conquering all the hills for the kingdom of Christ, and that we talk more about, wait a minute, where are you at with Christ today? Mm, so good. What does your relationship look like? Tell me the last time you sat in his presence and received from him. Tell me the last time the Spirit ministered just to you in a way that was deeply personal and powerful and enlivening and restorative. Yeah, that's so good. And Neil, you've always been this constant driving force uh, in, in my life. If, I've, if I run across um, an opportunity just to have a conversation with you at a coffee shop, and this is, this is the plumb line you keep bringing me back to, which is the personal spiritual development. And um, I think it's so good. There's a couple of churches that, uh, as you're talking, just are coming to my mind that are doing something different. Um, one is still still a brick-and-mortar church, still a brick-and-mortar church. Like, that's, that's already changed or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> it, there's a church that is, is even asking their staff a couple of times a year, you and your family are going to worship at a different church. Mm. We employ you but we also want to empower you to just receive. Mm-hmm. Or no, you're coming this Sunday to this service to serve at this service to just attend and worship with your family. Um, and so I'm like, man, who, who's who's being intentional about that? Hopefully more and more. There's yeah. another one, an, an urban uh, pastor that we're connected to that he is really evaluating. He, he felt like the Lord told him, he said, especially in our inner city communities, he says, you need to have healthy Christian leaders— mm-hmm and that is as individuals first, and as they are pastoring and shepherding their flock, and then, and then help the kids. Mm-hmm. So reach the kids and help them be, be healthy and process everything that is going on right now in our world and our, our culture and everything, and healthy Christian leaders. And he said, I felt like the Lord was showing me that those were the bookends mm-hmm. to our communities, that those were the bookends. And so he's, he's been so intentional in meeting with other leaders 
in our urban context, which is a whole nother nuance to um, the you know to the conversation there, um, and just getting that going and and open to it and and talking about it and and so. But he, he realizes this this is the time. This is the call. This is the invitation. This is what it's going to have to be a focus on, a, a call to. Um, and I love that these pockets are happening all throughout our city, way more than I even know about. Um, but that the Lord is bringing us back to we've got to be healthy as individuals. We've got to be healthy as Christian leaders. We've got to have the, the capacity and reserve that the Lord can actually pull from, um, or we're going to find ourselves in just a, a really detrimental place, a bad spot. A hundred percent, and I'll tell you, uh, I I know what it's like to um, bring my own, uh, you know, willfulness and just that type A, like strong personality into a ministry context, and and for it to actually do damage to the ministry, right? Uh, I operated in some of those ways in my you know late twenties and early thirties, and ever since then I've been you know, <laughs> repenting of that and coming back to this place of Lord, how do I? How do I lead from weakness? Because that's how you tell me to lead. How do I lead from a place of service? Because that's the kind of leader, Jesus, that you said would actually end up first in the kingdom of God, that those who would be servant of all. And so, you know, the Christian world, (laughs) it is filled with, you know, a lot of great Christian leadership books and a lot of type A, take charge, strong voice, loud presence— but really, a lot of toxicity. There's a mm-hmm. lot of toxicity in Christian leadership, and I'm trying to not only be a leader, but to cultivate leaders that value listening more than speaking, um, that value their own vibrant spiritual life more than they value what they're about to do for God. Um, because again, we we're our, the mission that we have for God cannot be sustained without a life with That's God. It. Sky Jathani says that in his mm-hmm. book, With. If, if you have all these dreams, all these visions, and all this, this hope for what, you're gonna, or what your church or your organization is going to do, if you don't have the spiritual bandwidth in your own soul to get there, or if your staff, your, your team, the people around you, your marriage, your spouse, if they don't have the spiritual bandwidth... Those dreams, those mission, that mission, it's going to fall. It's not going to be yeah. sustainable. And so, I'm looking for leaders who are listening, who are paying attention to the continual growth and development in their walk with Christ. I'm looking for leaders who consider themselves servant of all and, and student learner. Man, I I've not arrived. I want to be developing and growing, and continuing to learn. I I want to be an avid reader and learner. And I want to sit under the master and be taught. I use the phrase often uh, that we're either developing or we're dying. Mm. We're either developing, we're either growing, or we're actually totally regressing and and falling back. Yeah. And so I want to be moving in that in That's that so good. Uh, realm of development. We echo uh, Patrick Langionia his being humble, hungry, smart. That's that's who we're looking for. That's who, as individuals, we hope to be and create a culture, um, but that's also a good fit of those that are humble, hungry, and smart. You can do a lot of things if you've got those three things yes. right there. Yeah. Um, but in that in that whole sequence you were talking about, I was thinking about a, a perspective of theology that is the know, be, do mm. um, theolo- theological process of we first need to, must we must know God mm. and know who He has 
called us and created us to be. That's our identity piece, that be. But it's the know, be, and then a lot of times we put the do first. Mm-hmm. We think, man, this is what I'm supposed to do. I've read about I understand who God, you know, God's called me to do. But the, the doing is the last piece. Yeah. It, it comes out of who we know and then our understanding of who we are, and then that's the outflow of all that. Yeah. Um, and we've got to get it in the right order. You mentioned Asbury Seminary at the start. Yeah. Uh, and again, got to give a plug for Robert Mulholland. He's with the Lord now, but his book, Invitation to a Journey, is the is the outline of what you just said, Michael. Yes. To, to know, and then be, and then do. Invitation to a Journey is a book that walks us through that kind of a process and paradigm, and it is just it's just riddled with Scripture, riddled with just the story of, of how Jesus did it, and that's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Well, give us some more of your favorite practices, resources. There's some folks that are listening right now, if they're just wanting to kickstart this, and they're like, man, I do, what do I need to do? What Should I go off to a, just a, a, a weekend of solitude or uh, take a day? And I'll be honest, like I've had these as assignments before in undergraduate school, and they were life-changing. Um, they were confirming to who I was supposed to marry. Um, they were, I mean, literally life-changing as I journaled and spent a whole day in silence and solitude and reflection and, and listening. Um, so but I know some of them that have really been you know, instrumental in my life, but share some of the things that you just enjoy sure. or you find that are really good uh, for folks to, to engage with to maybe kickstart. Well, a little bit of a shout-out to my wife here. Uh, she uses the phrase, uh, and she probably stole it too, but uh, upstream and downstream practices, right? Mm-hmm. So the downstream practices are the easy stuff. So I'm an introvert, right? So sitting on my deck... That would come natural and easy for you. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Silence and solitude on my deck? Like, yeah. sign me up. I'll, I'll do that for hours. <laughs> <laughs> now, for some people, that sounds like hell. Yeah. But for me, it sounds like heaven, right? So, But that's doing things in groups or community, yeah. Exactly. So so downstream and upstream. So the first mm. thing is to think, start start with the downstream. Start easy, right? <laughs> Be easy on yourself and say, Lord, what have you made me? And yeah. what are some of those moments where I can meet with you more deeply. And so let me and let me just say look there's always the core. Number 1 that that core is scripture yeah. and that core is prayer. Without scripture and prayer we're just spinning our wheels looking at all these other disciplines out there. Those have to accompany all the rest it, in They my have mind. to yeah. accompany all the rest. So look at your scriptural intake and look at your prayer, your communion with God. And by the way, I don't just mean talking. I mean listening in prayer, right? I, I do a lot more listening than I do talking in my prayer life. Um, but it's Scripture and it's prayer, period, end of story. But from there, uh, there's a little, re- uh, not a little, a big resource out from Adele Calhoun called uh, the Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. And so it's a nice, uh, good-sized uh, resource in which uh, Adele Calhoun has got a ministry in the Northeast with her husband. I, th- I believe they're both in ministry, and, and she's just got, man, dozens and dozens of spiritual disciplines and practices that you can explore, that you can read about. She describes it, she gives examples, she gives some questions, and it's a very it's a book that just guides you into the practice to try it, to test it out. Uh, so to test all things, hold fast to what is good, Paul says. He's, of course, he's referring to prophecy, but I apply that to all of life. Yeah. Uh, test the spiritual disciplines. See which ones work. For some, journaling is amazing. For others, journaling is kind of hard and difficult. Uh, for some, going on a prayer walk is just life-giving and peaceful. Uh, for others, um, 
Uh, it might be the prayer of examine, which is in uh, ancient Ignatian uh, practice that uh, that has really been resurrected in many ways in recent times. And so my wife and I, we, we practice examine uh, very frequently together. Um, but go out there and explore those downstream, those easy practices for mm. you that really connect That's you with so God. Good. So quick story. Uh, Mulholland speaks of this in his book. He had a seminary student come up to him, and his seminary student was so frustrated, he said, Pastor Mulholland, er, Professor Mulholland, he says, I just, uh, g- God feels so distant right now. Like, I just, I don't connect with him. I don't, I don't hear from him. I don't, I'm not close to him. And Dr. Mulholland turned to the young man and said, uh, tell me what you love to do. And the young man looks at him like, what? He says, I, I'm, I'm trying to share my heart here, pa- uh, Professor. You know, I, I'm trying to share that I'm having a, a difficulty with my walk with Christ, and you want to ask me what I love to do? And the professor insisted, Mulholland did, and so the student finally relented and said, well, I, I don't know. I, I like to hike. Uh, I like to be outdoors in nature. And Mulholland said, great. Tomorrow, I want you to leave your, you know, leave your Bible at home, but I want you to go on a hike, and I want you to just be with the Lord. Just go out there and, and, and hike and be with the Lord. Sure enough, the student came back the next day and said, I've had the most amazing moment with God that I've had in months, all because he integrated. What did he do? He integrated yeah. one of his deep loves for hiking, and he integrated that with just communing with God. And so think of the integration is the moral of the story there. What's the intersection? Where are the places where you meet with God? Guess what? One place where I meet with God, the baseball field. I'm dead serious. When I go to a Vols baseball game and I enter the stadium, (laughs) when I enter the stadium... deeply, deeply sacred. (laughs) I'm with the Lord. And and throughout the game, I am communing with the, the maker of heaven and earth because when I'm at a ball game... I sense the presence of God. And so my wife literally, this is no joke, this is, these are actual conversations we've had. When I've been having like a rough week or two, and, or maybe even a rough month, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm stressed out and I'm frustrated, she'll look at me and she'll say, Neil, when's the last time you went to a baseball game? And I'll say, uh, it's been a few weeks. And she's like, please go. Please go. Because she knows that when I go to that ball game, so crazy. I'm going to meet with I the Lord it. and I'm going to come home filled Filled with the Lord and filled with the Spirit. I love it. And so even in a baseball game, you can commune with God. That's great. I love it. People say that about Neyland Stadium, but in a different way. <laughs> they, they worship. I just don't know if it's yeah. the Lord. Again, ideas of how I can talk to my wife about going to movies. <laughs> this is where I find God. What? <laughs> don't, don't abuse this. No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not it's I'm not. so great. It is good. It's so great. It is good. Neil, I'm so encouraged by just some of the things you've shared. This has been so helpful and fruitful for me, and I know for our listeners as well. Uh, any any final things you would like to just share or encourage um, folks that are listening? And Yeah, boy, if, 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 we, if we had... Um, one more episode one day, a few years from now, Michael, uh, I would love to just jump in again to just the concept of a holistic formation. And so I'll leave you, I'll, I would say I'd leave you with this. Um, He's dropping a to be continued. Uh, no, this is this yeah. is for 2023. <laughs> yeah. I, need, I need many more guests here who are much better than me, so uh, at, fill the guest list first. But in 2023, uh, we'll, we'll come back, and I want to talk about holistic formation because anyone— it's easy to talk about spiritual formation, but so many, again, so many pastors and leaders, uh, they know the Lord, they know how to lead God's people, uh, but so many other aspects of their life are out of whack. 
Hmm. So maybe their emotional formation is just really distraught. Maybe their relational formation with others, maybe they have conflict all over the place with others, and yet they're leading God's people someplace in ministry. Uh, maybe it's their, um, their digital formation. I think about mm. our relationship to our phone, our screens, our tech, our, our media intake, news intake these days. My gosh, uh, what is a pastor or Christian leader's relationship to their digital formation? Has God met them in that place too? So it's not just spiritual formation that, that I care about when I think about resourcing a person for life and ministry, but I care about their whole person, emotional, mm-hmm. relational, uh, mental, physical formation. What's, yeah. their physical, what's their diet look like? What does their exercise look like? Because I'll tell you, uh, uh, life insurance policies, mm-hmm. guess what? Pastors are in the highest risk department on a life <laughs> insurance policy. They're really high up there. It's because those life insurance companies know that pastors are notoriously out of shape, and pastors are notoriously not, not taking, taking care, care of themselves. themselves. Yeah. Um, so what does their physical formation look like? So wow. I'll throw that out as a teaser to say, uh, care, care about your holistic formation, not just one element of it, because our, our temple, our, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And what we do with our emotions when that anger comes in, what do we do with it? When that sadness comes in, do we avoid it, or do we embrace it and process it? Um, for me, when I hit that crisis part in ministry, when I hit that crisis moment, I needed someone to guide me in holistic formation. That was Michael Bischoff for me, a mentor that I mentioned in the previous episode at, over at soulleader.org. And um, so find those people for you that can guide you into holistic formation. And sometimes it'll take a few people, right, that are unique experts in some of those content areas. But as a pastor, as a leader, look for wholeness and look for health, not just spiritually with God, but in all areas of your life. And that would be my closing word. That's so great, Neil. Again, thank you so much for being on here. Uh, part oh, yeah. two. Part two, yeah. baby. And three. And, and, a, a few and years. he dropped for another one. He yeah. did. He definitely dropped for another one. Well, I hope, listeners, you have been as encouraged as I have been today, uh, just inspired. Again, we thank you for joining us for just an evaluation, looking at the intersections of relationship, faith, and leadership. And we just want to encourage you, go out there and keep fully living, fully loving, and fully leading. Until next time.